0: Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 184. Let's talk WWDC 2021. Hi, I'm Neil. It's good to be back. Today's episode will be focused on Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, which was held two weeks ago. We will cover this in a very particular way. We will begin by looking at the major themes from this year's WWDC. And what's going to happen is we will then focus on one of those themes, watch OS, an Apple Watch. What we'll find is that a lot of these themes, they are multi-year in nature. So we are going to have plenty of opportunities in talking about the other themes as time goes on. One of my initial reactions after watching the WWDC keynote, and I watched it a few times, is to think about the competition. Who else out there can put together something like WWDC? And of course, we are talking about having a portfolio of devices and services and pushing all of them forward at the same time. And we're not talking about devices that are like each other. We have on one hand, a device that is so light, so small, it's worn on our wrist all day and increasingly all night. On the other end of the spectrum, we have machines that are so large, they have handles on them to carry. They have wheels on them to move. And we have products in between. And it's not that Apple's picking and choosing which it wants to push forward. They're pushing everything forward. You just don't see that with other companies. And the thing that came through at this year's WWDC, it was all about the ecosystem. If there was one major theme, the big picture, it would be the ecosystem. Apple wasn't just unveiling new features for all of its different product categories. Instead, Apple was announcing features for its ecosystem. The focus is no longer on what Apple can do with individual devices or services, but rather how various devices and services can come together to push the broader Apple ecosystem forward. Some may listen to that and say, well, wait a second. Are you saying that the focus is more on the ecosystem and not the device? Does that mean devices are losing their identity? No. It's the opposite. The stronger the Apple ecosystem becomes, the more freedom these individual product categories have to become their own self, to basically develop their personality, their identity. The primary reason they do that is through design. How are they built with the user experience in mind? Compare this to companies that don't have the size and strength of the ecosystem that that Apple has. You don't see this dynamic. These companies are chasing hybrids. They don't have products. They don't have the ability to push these products forward by letting them be themselves. That was the major theme from WWDC 2021. It's all about the ecosystem. Another way you were able to see this is when you take a look at all the different segments of the keynote, iOS, AirPods, iPadOS, I broke it out by minutes. So iOS was 29 minutes, it's about 27% of the keynote. iPadOS grabbed 10% of the keynote. WatchOS, 7%. When you compare all of that to last year's keynote, health was the big winner from a stage time perspective. Meanwhile, AirPods and iCloud received their own sections this year. Health, AirPods, iCloud. Those are elements designed to strengthen the Apple ecosystem. One other observation that I had regarding the Apple ecosystem had to do with services. Many of you know that over the years, Apple has developed this false narrative that they have become a services company or that management is losing interest with hardware and devices. They just want to focus on services because that is how you make money. That is how they are going to milk their existing users. Of course, that narrative is false. It's wrong. All one has to do is look at WWDC 2021. It wasn't about pushing services forward. It wasn't just about pushing devices forward. Instead, Apple leaned on device and services integration to push forward. Apple is using services to add value to devices. Apple is using devices to add value to its services. Another thing that came through at this year's developers conference, Apple's social play. Instead of creating and maintaining a social network, which would introduce a long list of risk for Apple, I think all we have to do is look back over the past five years with social networking it's pretty risky. It's, it's a minefield out there. Instead of doing that, instead of dealing with that, Apple is focused on nurturing our deepest and closest personal relationships. Of course, those relationships are found with our family and closest friends. This is not a new theme by any stretch. Apple has been focused on this for a long time, but it definitely came through in this year's keynote. Look at how Apple focused on sharing data, and information between family members. We're looking at health, photos, now Apple Music and news this is another great example of devices and services integration. Another theme preparing for augmented reality, mixed reality. There were plenty of signs to talk about. We actually aren't going to focus a whole lot on this particular theme in this episode. All I will say is everything from FaceTime, SharePlay, Live text and identification photos. Apple was really big into the Memoji this year. It all has to do with AR and mixed reality. Apple is running in that direction. It is very clear. Even spatial audio. That is all about rethinking the way we consume audio content, depending on our relationship between the physical and digital worlds. Add everything together, and this is a jam-packed WWDC. Apple kept its focus on unveiling features that have a good chance of actually being used. This is something that Apple kicked off in 2019, where they're not so much concerned about the quantity of announcements. We have to announce a lot of stuff. They don't do that anymore. And I think you can argue they've really never been about that, but they really have embraced the quality mandate. We don't mind if we just announce a few things, but we want those things to be stuff that people are going to actually use to adopt. In terms of overall strength, I think iOS 15, privacy, AirPods, health, and iCloud Plus came off as the strongest segments of the keynote in WWDC. Mac OS, iPad OS, watch OS, and home, those segments made up more of a second tier. I don't think they were overall as strong as those other elements. That will bring us to the next phase of our discussion Watch OS. And I do think this was a major theme from this year's keynote. It has to do with Apple Watch and where is Apple bringing Apple Watch? Over the past few years, the updates to Watch OS have been measured in scope. And as we just said, Apple is definitely focused on quality over quantity. But I think with Watch OS, It's a little bit more complicated. For example, let's look at the big things found with the new watchOS. We have a mindfulness app that replaces the Breathe app. You are now able to capture respiratory rate during sleep tracking. There are a few new workouts. Fitness Plus features now have Artist Spotlight, a few new workouts. The Photos watch face saw improvement. The Home and Photos app were Redesign messages. There's improvement to dictation. The addition of GIF support. That's the new Watch OS. Yes, I'm missing a few things. There are some stuff that Apple did not really focus on the keynote, but I didn't miss any big things. Now, some people will look at that and go, "Okay, I, I can use some of that stuff." There's no question about it. But it's hard to shake the feeling that it's still a measured upgrade. It's not going to really shock the world. It's not going to change the direction Apple Watch is already headed. And that got me thinking. When I took a look at the keynote the few times that I went through it, there were instances that just didn't sit right with me. There were a couple of parts that I thought were really odd. It was hard to shake the feeling that Apple missed a big opportunity to push the Apple Watch forward. There were three specific instances in which Apple had the chance to add functionality to the Apple Watch, but instead they chose to put its focus on less robust alternatives. There is value in going over those instances. I think what we're going to try to do is bring in the other major themes from WWDC because I think that's also going to help kind of set the scene here as to what is going on with both watchOS and Apple Watch. Before we go any further, I would say that this discussion may have been possible last year after WWDC 2020, but in a way, I think it would have been premature. I think we still didn't have enough experience with watchOS and Apple's year-over-year update schedule to know exactly what Apple was doing. I think it's changing now. I think we have, we have a pattern here. We can gain confidence in knowing what is the strategy that the Apple Watch team is following and what are the directives that senior executives are giving the Apple Watch team. The first area that I want to focus on is <laughs> called Focus. Along with unveiling revamp notifications, Apple announced a new initiative aimed at helping users avoid Unwanted distractions. Sounds pretty reasonable, right? With focus, users can now match their device usage to activities and mindset. So basically, it's a way of customizing the way you use your iPhone based on your surroundings. Setting up a focus amounts to something like an enhanced do not disturb. So it gives you more control over how involved you can become with your device at any given time it does seem like these features were a direct result of Apple employees struggling with work-from-home directives over the past 15 months during the pandemic. The thing is, this entire focus segment of the keynote, it came off as not fully thought out. So we had just gotten done saying that the major theme from the keynote was all about the ecosystem. I didn't necessarily get that same feeling about this one segment. It was as if Apple didn't really consider how all of their devices come together already and how that could be leveraged to push something like Focus. So let's go into a very specific example here. I don't want to really just keep talking about generalizations. I think Apple missed a big opportunity to position the Apple Watch as a solution for iPhone information overload. Consider Apple Watch wearers today. They are already able to put down their other Apple devices, but still feel connected when they receive important notifications or reminders. So it was odd how Apple didn't draw attention to that kind of utility and that they didn't look to add new controls to Apple Watch that made something like Focus a possibility. So you turn to your Apple Watch to determine, okay, I really want to change how I'm approaching my iPhone over the next couple hours. Put those controls on the Apple Watch. That will impact how we engage with our other devices. They didn't do that. Instead, Apple went so far as to actually imply that the Apple Watch contributes to information overload. And the reason I say that is they just simply put the Apple Watch next to all the other devices as something that falls under the focus mandate. That didn't feel right. That's not right. It doesn't, it seems off. That's why I call it a missed opportunity for Apple Watch. The next example, it was found with a smart home segment. So, again, ecosystem. It's a one word you're going to hear a lot in this episode. Apple is interested in playing in the home because we spend a lot of time in our homes, even if it just means sleeping. But Apple sees an opportunity to use its devices and services to rethink experiences that are consumed in the home. The thing is, the smart home remains the Wild West. It is simply too early to declare winners or losers in the space. What we are seeing instead is companies are reconfiguring their smart home strategies to focus on verticals, seeing some kind of traction. I'm thinking security in the form of video cameras. There's then video entertainment, streaming video boxes and speakers. I went into a lot more about this topic over at my new website, Inside Orchard. I don't think I actually talked about or mentioned Inside Orchard yet in this podcast. That's probably something I should do going forward. But if you're interested in my broader views of technology, check out InsideOrchard.com. One of the recent articles was all about the smart home. During WWDC, Apple unveiled a few updates to its smart home strategy. One of the more strategic changes involved expanding Siri support to third-party smart home devices. And the way this works is voice queries will be run through a homeowner's HomePod or HomePod Mini. That could become popular with some users. The thing is, I think Apple missed another opportunity here to position the Apple Watch as a key differentiator when it comes to grabbing territory in the home for Apple. At what point during the keynote, the following phrase was said, quote, we believe Siri is most powerful when it's available throughout your house. End quote. That's a powerful statement. And Apple is right in making such a claim. A digital voice assistant is indeed more powerful and valuable when not confined to a stationary device. However, is having more stationary devices in the home the best solution for always having Siri nearby? I'm not so sure. Apple seemingly ignored how nearly 110 million of its users already have Siri Hoes on them when at home by wearing an Apple Watch. Having Siri always available on one's wrist via the Apple Watch means there is no need to worry about where a Siri-integrated smart home device may be found in and outside the home. In addition, the thing that's interesting here is Apple Watch wearers have a screen to display Siri answers, which I think are useful for things like weather queries Sports scores, seeing how much time is left on a timer. Apple could be giving the Apple Watch a much larger role here to play in its smart home strategy. We saw hints of this when they unveiled the updated home app for Apple Watch. But compared to what they could have announced, it was a letdown. There's then a third example where I think Apple missed a big opportunity with Apple Watch. For the third year in a row, Apple acted as if the Siri watch face didn't exist. While Apple can technically use its fall event when they will unveil new Apple Watch hardware to also announce updates to the Siri watch face or announce new watch faces, such a scenario doesn't seem likely. and again, I'm referring directly to the Siri watch face. If you're not familiar with the Siri watch face, which remains my favorite watch face, even though, as we will say, it hasn't been updated, It was unveiled at WWDC 2017. And the Siri Watch Face is all about pushing snippets of information and data to the Apple Watch wearer throughout the day. This information is contained in cards. And those cards change based on the time of day, location, and upcoming schedule. So what that means is that as you're looking at your Apple Watch throughout the day, it's going to look different depending on either what you're doing, where you are, or just simply the time of day. Apple announced a major update to the Siri Watch Face in 2018, when third-party cards and Siri shortcuts were made available. The thing is, Apple hasn't announced any updates to the Siri Watch Face since. To make this even more interesting, despite not updating the Siri Watch Face, Apple did bring similar functionality to the iPhone last year via the Smart Stack widget. Hmm. Even the design of the Focus app, which we talked about a few minutes ago, it actually shares some functionality with the Siri watch face. So given those developments, the lack of updates to the actual Siri watch face ends up being that much more of a head-scratcher. Now, of course, we can't leave it there. We need to address the why. It's easy to record a podcast episode about how Apple is making a mistake and needs to adjust strategy. The value here is found in understanding the why behind a particular Apple decision. And I think that involves weighing both sides of the decision. Why didn't Apple push Apple Watch more when it came to reducing notification overload on iPhones, helping Apple users throughout the home? Why aren't we seeing Updates to the Siri watch face. I think there are two possible explanations here. One, Apple believes wrapping the Apple Watch around health makes the device an easier sell with consumers. And two, Apple is close to announcing its entry into face wearables, and that is impacting Watch OS and where Apple wants to bring Watch OS. If we circle back to this idea of Health being an easier sell of consumers. Some of the biggest watchOS announcements unveiled this year's WWC were once again related to health. This is a multi-year strategy that Apple has been following. When we think of the Apple Watch in particular, they've been adding health sensors. So it is logical that given the hardware updates, well, watchOS updates are going to match. Health focus on hardware, health focus on software. Okay, that makes sense. While Apple management knows that most Apple Watch wearers use the device for more than health monitoring, those other use cases, though, are not used to anchor Apple Watch marketing. If you go to Apple's webpage for the Apple Watch, it's all about health. It's not even about fitness, which is more niche than health. Instead, it's health. Consider the following phrases. The future of health is on your wrist. It's the ultimate device for a healthy life. There may be a if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality at play here with Apple Watch product marketing. Apple's current Apple Watch strategy involving health and fitness seems to be connecting with customers, as seen by Apple Watch unit sales. The following are my estimates 2018, 22 million Apple Watches sold. 2019, 26 million. 2020, 31 million. So you would look at that and go, okay, whatever Apple's doing, It's working, so why change it? Apple may be bypassing certain features for watchOS that would fundamentally move the Apple Watch away from being an intelligent health companion device. Turning to the second possible explanation here for what Apple's doing, Apple could be close to announcing its entry into face wearables. So Apple may not want to spend years positioning Apple Watch as a certain kind of device only to have it be surpassed by a pair of lightweight smart glasses that handle AR, and we could also be talking about mixed reality in terms of a larger, even though it has to be light, headset. Instead, Apple is focused on pushing Apple Watch in a direction that it is confident will complement a pair of smart glasses. This results in Apple making a notable push on the health front from both the hardware perspective, when we're talking sensors, and the software perspective. Other functionality is kept on the back burner with the intention of having that show up in face wearables. I do think there are holes and logic gaps found with both of those explanations. For example, a pair of lightweight smart glasses from Apple. They may still be a couple years away. All of the evidence points to Apple entering face wearables more with a headset that would be, say, used indoors, whereas this pair of lightweight smart glasses that look like a regular pair of glasses, those look like they will be a couple years away. And it's still not clear to me that Apple Watch is actually going to be a competitor to smart glasses. They're fundamentally different. And as we will talk shortly, the Apple Watch should be given roles that would not be given to smart glasses. So it's weird to say, well, Apple Watch isn't doing things like Focus, the smart home, the Siri watch face. They're not doing that because smart glasses are coming. It's a stretch. I, let me say that. I think it's a stretch. And then when it comes to the health focus, to be honest, I just don't think that's good enough. I don't think it's a good enough reason for not giving the Apple watch certain function. So that got me thinking, what should Apple be doing? So again, just as easy as to say that Apple is doing something wrong, The claim is worthless if counter-suggestions aren't given. If Apple needs to make a change of Apple Watch, what should that change be? One issue that is starting to become noticeable is Apple not expanding Apple Watch's functionality fast enough. Using health to anchor Apple Watch marketing may indeed be a good way for Apple to grab new Apple Watch users. For some, the Apple Watch makes for a great health fitness companion and nothing more. Those users should be able to continue using Apple Watch for health monitoring and not have to mess or deal with extraneous software or features. However, Apple is not pushing Apple Watch enough from the perspective of being an iPhone alternative. The Siri watch face, it is a bridge to the future. And yet all signs point to few people using that watch face. A lot of times the reaction I get from people is that they tried it and they didn't find it useful enough. They didn't find it to have enough utility. The lack of updating to the Siri watch face certainly hasn't helped in improving adoption. But I think there's a bigger problem here. There are signs of deeper issues at play. Because according to Apple, photos... Is the most popular watch face? At first, that may seem innocent enough. However, the thing is, Apple Watch watch faces were once positioned as apps. This then turned to watch face complications as apps. Why then are Apple Watch wearers using the most simplistic and data-free watch faces, such as photos? This may be a sign that Apple needs to re-examine the concept of watch faces as apps. Users likely don't want to interact with various complications or even watch faces on their wrist. Now, this doesn't mean that users don't want additional functionality from Apple Watch. And when you take a look at the Photos watch face and really all of these newer watch faces that Apple's coming up with, or at least most of the new ones, they do play in other realms. As one above Avalon member Uh, Told me earlier this week, they really do seem like they're playing in the fashion realm. Some of these watch faces are designed to be seen by others just as much as they are designed to be seen by you. The thing is, I think Apple Watch users, they like the ease and simplicity found with the Photos watch face. So they're still able to receive all of their notifications, messages, and alerts even though when you look at the face, you don't really see all these complications. You don't see random numbers popping up all over the place. Instead of pushing increasingly complicated watch faces or legacy watch faces or bringing some kind of multitasking to Apple Watch, the additional functionality given to Apple Watch would materialize in the form of machine learning, pushing more information and context to the wearer throughout the day. The only information one would need to see on the wrist would be based on one's daily habit, current activity, location, and schedule. So when you think of daily habit, I don't know about you, but I check the weather each morning at roughly the same time. So Apple, based on that habit or based on that daily schedule, they can proactively give me information about the weather. What if I had a routine where I go to the local coffee shop each morning, maybe involved getting in the car or mass transit. Apple can provide me driving time information to the local coffee shop. When we talk about current activity, I could be pushed news alerts while seated at the coffee shop reading a book or reading a newspaper. In terms of location, I could be suggested items that may be of importance to me based on my location and schedule. I could be provided information that is relevant to an upcoming meeting or a reminder or an event. Notice how all of those items involve action verbs. Provide, give, push, suggest. That is Apple Watch's future. It's an intelligent assistant that helps people get through their day. Now, take a look at this year's WWDC. Go back to WWDC 2020. Or what about WWDC 2019? Do you get that takeaway from looking through the watchOS portions of the Keto? I'm not so sure. I think at least for this year, especially 2021, I would say the answer is no. You did not get that feel. You don't see that future in what Apple did with watchOS and Apple Watch. With an Apple Watch install base quickly approaching 125 million people, even if only a portion of Apple Watch users are interested in this additional functionality, we are still looking at tens of millions of people. And that number will prove to be conservative over time. It's going to grow. It's not enough to anchor watchOS releases around just new health features a new portraits, photos, watch face, and GIF support. The Apple Watch already has the pieces required for handling this additional functionality. It's not like Apple needs to go back to the drawing board and start from scratch. The Apple Watch has an always-on screen with a great line of sight for the wearer. There is so much value found with that dynamic, I think it's still being undersold. We already see a smart digital assistant that increasingly knows more about the wearer's past, current, and future activity. We just don't necessarily see that on the watch. This is also where having an ecosystem of devices that is home to that digital assistant helps tremendously. It's something that a lot of Apple Watch competitors are not going to be able to match. And then there are developers. One thing I'm noticing, especially over the past year, is that developers are embracing Apple Watch and Watch OS. We're talking some major companies as well, but they're doing so in a somewhat quiet fashion. I recall how there was so much news made about how companies were dropping Watch OS support. And a lot of people said, oh, this must mean the Apple Watch is failing as an app ecosystem. And I think it was the opposite. I think companies were just unsure how to use watchOS. People were actually embracing watchOS in droves. The install base was growing. There's momentum here. It's just that it wasn't clear how to actually leverage the install base. How do you actually leverage utility on the wrist to get your app in front of people. I think it's changing, though. I think developers are seeing how many people have Apple Watches. It's a lot. And they're seeing where the momentum is. More and more people are embracing Apple Watch for the first time. And let's be honest, the themes that we're talking about here, a smart digital assistant that increasingly knows more about us, that's the future. We're not talking about something that's going to have a five-year lifespan and that's it. This is technology in the next couple of decades. We are at the early stages. Circling back to this idea of Apple Glasses and having it be an Apple Watch competitor, again, I don't think it's a given that Apple Watch and Apple Glasses will even compete with each other. Glasses may not be the best form factor to push information to the wearer throughout the day. Are we really going to want to wear a pair of glasses that just has pop-ups all throughout the day coming up, left and right, even if it's maybe through our peripheral vision. I'm not sure about that. Instead, Apple Glasses would be aimed at helping the wearer navigate the world, while the Apple Watch would be more of a digital assistant or monitor focused on providing granular information about the day. Those are two different tasks. And this also brings up the idea, again, of the ecosystem. If Apple is able to continue strengthening its ecosystem, it gives them more flexibility to give the Apple Watch and Apple Glasses very distinct roles, so that they're not necessarily overlapping with each other. Will there be some overlap? Probably, yes. They're both going to be wearables. But I see a world where both are actually going to come together. And if you're wearing an Apple Watch, you're going to want to wear Apple Glasses, and the vice versa is true. If you're Wearing a pair of glasses, you're probably going to want to wear an Apple Watch. The other thing to keep in mind, the Apple Watch is well positioned to help power a pair of Apple Glasses, given the amount of real estate that's available on the wrist for storing technology and sensors. That real estate is not available on the face. Giving the Siri Watch face a much needed reboot in watch OS 9 would be a great start at unleashing a new layer of Apple Watch functionality. Such a reboot can be wrapped around a series of new watch faces that amount to pushing different kinds of information to the user throughout the day while retaining much of the simplicity found with the photo's face. Apple can increase the number of available cards in the Siri watch face. They can push card development as a key priority for watch developers. Interested in getting in front of users? There's the possibility of putting a more concentrated focus on selling Siri always on your wrist. Enhanced notifications control on your wrist can also go a long way. This could set Apple up for eventually including a front-facing camera on Apple Watch for FaceTime calls, which would need software that auto-centers the subject so that one can tell you're actually using an Apple Watch to make those calls. One lesson from this year's WWDC is that Apple isn't just pushing individual product categories forward, but rather they're using devices and services to push an ecosystem forward. For a product like Apple Watch, Apple's goal should be positioning the device as both taking advantage of its unique design attributes while also helping to add value to other Apple devices. The Apple Watch is the most popular watch in the world. It's time for Apple to begin unleashing more of Apple Watch's potential. And I think that is going to serve as a long-term tailwind for strengthening the Apple Watch ecosystem. That will conclude today's discussion. If you enjoy the Above Avalon podcast and you want more of it throughout the week, check out Above Avalon Membership. The cornerstone of membership is access to my exclusive updates about Apple. These updates are emails that are sent directly to your inbox. These updates cover everything that is of interest to Apple. I write about Apple business and strategy, my perspective and observations on Apple competitors, and all of my Apple financial estimates. Membership is just $20 per month or $200 per year, which includes access to the archive. So you can go back and read previously sent updates, which stand at approximately 1,200 updates. So it is quite the archive. Membership also includes additional privileges and benefits such as access to Above Avalon reports, my Apple earnings model. You also get email priority for questions and access to the member forum. If you are big into podcast, the daily updates are also available in podcast form as an add-on. That is just $10 per month or $100 per year. That add-on can be attached to an existing membership, or if you are new and signing up for a membership, you can simply attach that add-on from the start. To become a member and to get more information on membership, head on over to AboveAvalon.com and go to the membership page. Above Avalon is fully sustained by its members, so if you like Above Avalon, consider becoming a member and playing an active role in supporting Above Avalon as an independent source of Apple analysis. With that, we will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later. Bye.